got something on my heart this morning. Really, really good. You guys are, I got to tell you all about these guys before we go any further. I called David about, what time, 6 o'clock last night or something like that. And I said, I want y'all to do this song tomorrow. Y'all never heard it, but I want y'all to do it tomorrow. Can y'all do that? He said, sure, we can do that. Didn't y'all like Steps of a Righteous Man are Ordered by God? Oh, that's a good song. You know, that's a good song because I had that on my heart that that's one of the main things that I want to talk to you about this morning is the easy life. Y'all, anybody interested in that? Well, they did a good job on that, getting that together for me this morning, didn't they? I think Janet came in and taught it to them this morning early, and and uh, they did a good job. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate that, guys. Y'all can go have a seat. Y'all, they stand up there sometime an hour. Y'all know that. It's been an hour, and a little over, so uh, they got some good shoes on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, what I had on my heart this morning was the title, The Easy Life. How many of you feel like sometimes you've had the hard life? Yeah. That ain't good, is it, you know? Hard life to where it just seems like, you know, everything you do is not going well. Well, there's an easy life, and there's an easy way, and there's a better way, and there's a smooth way, and I want us to get in that way. You know, as um, I know my mom and dad, you know, um, they would desire more than anything else in the world if they could do anything for their kids, their grandkids, to make it easier on them. You know, how many parents are that way? You grew up a certain way, and you don't want your kids to have to go through the things that you went through. You want your kids to have it easier than what you have it. Well, you know, as pastors, you know, we've been to a lot of churches and a lot of places where it just seems as though to me, and I know I'm prejudiced, but it seems as though to me the people just never grow. You know, it just seems to me like like they've got to go to the pastor for everything that they need. Tell me how to get some money. Tell me how to get healed. Tell me how to get this. Tell me how to get that. And unless they're in counseling or, or talking to somebody, they're never growing. Well, we don't want that for you guys. It would suit me just great if everybody, see, my, my Jag is a few years old now, so everybody in here could go out and buy a brand new Jag and have it and drive it to church every Sunday, and you could be ahead of me. And that would just make me smile, you know. It doesn't bother my mom and dad if I have a new car and they don't have a new car, they are thrilled that I could have something nice, you know? And that's the way parents are. They don't want their kids to have lower than what they have. They want them to have better than what they have if they're a good parent, you know? And that's the way God is with us. He wants us to have the very, very, very best that we can have. And it's not His will that we go through life frustrated and burdened down and hurting and and, uh, depressed and all these things. It's His will that we accomplish exactly what He set out for us to do and have the easy life now don't get me wrong work can be hard anybody that works knows that work can be hard you know say you got a body shop man you know and he's working on cars all day long and sweating you know and and doing all these things i mean he's doing physical labor and he's sweating and he's burning calories but the thing about it is he's still happy in his heart because he knows he's doing exactly what god wants him doing you know and at the end of the day even though he's you know planted 50 acres you know and plowed and whatever he had to do he's still happy when he's done with it you know so there's things in life you don't have to be standing in a pulpit you don't have to be um, teaching somebody in a bible study you have to be doing what god called you to do and he will make it easy on you but now if you've had a life that it just seems like every day you dread getting up because some what else is going to go wrong today we want to fix that today is that okay with everybody all right let's look in the word then at a couple of scriptures this morning and uh we'll go from there matthew eleven twenty nine. if you would turn with me there 
And let's pray for Keith before we even get started. We'll turn there and we'll pray about us this morning and we'll pray for him. And uh, he's an hour earlier, so he's probably just about to begin speaking. But guess what? We get out of here at noon and he's got another one to go. He's got two services this morning. So, uh, uh, And then he's got another one tonight. We're all going to be resting, you know. And then he's got another one tomorrow night, you know. And then, you know, so uh, we'll pray for him and uh, believe with him. For those of you who weren't here Friday night... We had, I believe it was an anointing of God in here on some of the subject that he's teaching on, you know. And for those of you who've known us very long, it has been something that has been near and dear to our heart about prosperity and finances. And if you've been in the church very long, you know that um, God doesn't want you broke, no matter what anybody tells you. So um, they, these people, the last time we were there at their church, Jen, do you remember when it was? 96, um, because we just get so many, God has blessed us supernaturally. We've never had to ask anybody for a meeting and, and, uh, God has just blessed us. And, um, so they've been after us. We went there in 96 and they've been after us several years to come back, but he's just now able to go back to him. And the last time we, he was there in 96, he taught on prosperity. And at the end of the service, the pastor got up and gave his church to the Baptist church. So I talked to Keith this morning and I said, so what about it? You, you want to know the results of that, right? You know, they got a brand new brick church building, three times the size the other one was, doing extremely well. Things are going really, really good for him and just blessed beyond words. He was talking to the pastor this morning and he said it was the right thing. So uh, that's, I mean, that's prospering his life. So and, and think about the Baptist church. So, I mean, they were blessed too. So uh, we'll pray for him and we'll pray for us this morning. Y'all ready to? Thank you, Lord. We just lift up Keith in the service this morning in Clovis, New Mexico at the Swans. And we just ask you to give him utterance on prosperity, Father. Give him grace and anointing to teach the words that you would have him to say this morning. Let your spirit rest upon him that he would do exactly what you ask him to do in the way that you would ask him to do it, Father. We ask you that your anointing be with them in the service and that every ear is ready to hear and every heart is ready to receive, Father. We just ask you that your grace be upon the hearer that they would put to practice the things that they hear and we thank you for doing all those things in each and every service that he has today this morning tonight tomorrow that your anointing be on the pastors and keith and every person in that service to receive the things that you've sent him there to deliver in jesus name and lord we just lift up our service to you this morning we just ask you for the spirit of the lord to be in this place this morning father and to open eyes and understanding and hearts that they could see the truth of your word father and push aside anything that that's hindered them and kept them back from accomplishing what you've asked them to do, Father. I ask that your grace be upon the hearers this morning. And Satan, we bind you from confusion or any other thing that you try to do to anyone in here this morning. They are free from your powers. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. All right. How many of you found your scripture? Matthew 11, verse 29. Well, let's go with 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will put more on you that you can bear, and you will not be able to do anything. That's the way most people's lives are right now, right? It's like uh, the time, the, there's not enough hours in the day to accomplish what they need to accomplish, right? Right? 
Read, read it again with me. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. If you don't have a Bible, I'll stop and do what Keith does. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Our ushers will get you one because it's real important. I know we have it on the screen, but it's real important, you know, if you don't forgot yours this morning, to let them bring you one. And uh, you can look at the scripture with us because it, it registers on you better if you can see it with your own eyes and not think we're just saying something that's not in there. Because we didn't write this. What color is that in your Bible? Who wrote it? Okay. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest, rest. How many could use some rest? Yes, yes. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I think what happens a lot of times in people's lives is like life is a pick-and-choose situation as to what they want to do and when they want to do it and how they want to do it. I know that in, as long as Keith and I have been in the ministry... Um, he's told it, I've told it. We've had people that um, God has dealt with, you know, to help us, but their house was more important. You know? We've had people that God has dealt with to help us, but their kids were more important. Y'all got quiet on that one. All right, back up. I said, we've had people that were supposed to help us, but their kids were more important than God. Okay, I got to say it again. We've had people that were supposed to help us, but their kids were more important than God. Now, I know that doesn't go over real big. And I know we don't have kids and people have tried to correct us and tell us all the things that they were supposed to tell us about how it is with kids. And don't get me wrong, if you have kids, you better be responsible for them and raise them up and teach them. You had them. Not the schools didn't have them. Not the church didn't have them. You had them. And um, so if you have them, then guess what? You have a responsibility. And there's no child that's a mistake. There's no child that God didn't know was going to happen. There's no child that, you know, is a surprise to God, you know. You had them. But the fact of the matter is, the way you raise that child... And the priorities in your life, you can tell that child all your life to put God first. You can tell him that. You can slap them around and tell them that. You can do what you want to and beat them and try to tell them that. But until they see you put God first in your life, they will never put God first in their life. There's people that come to us. We're having problems with our kids constantly. What do we do? Well, what are you doing in your life with your kids? What example do you have before them? Is the priority that you come home from work and you cook supper and the first thing that you do, and this wasn't my message. I got news for y'all. I wasn't even going to talk about kids, but it's just the way it went when I said it. It's an issue. And Keith said a long time ago, and we've seen it over and over in ministry, there's two things you don't discuss. People, what they do with their money, and people, what they do with their kids. 
You want to receive ugly letters? Get on those subjects. You might as well save them. I'm going to have somebody else read them. I'm not even going to read them if you write me an ugly letter. I, I, I'll tell you this. I got one. Let's see. You remember when Keith was gone for two weekends straight and I had to do uh, Wednesdays, Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday? Well, the Thursday before I had to start doing that long weekend, I got the ugliest letter you ever read in your life. It was so mean and cruel from a church member. Yeah. Uh, how unanointed I was, how I couldn't hear from God, and how, uh, let's see, um, I forget all of it was, how mean I was and how... Um, stressed I was and and how um, I forget all what was in the letter but uh, it was real nice wasn't it Dave yeah (laughs) anyway I've made a decision I'm not gonna read them anymore they're just the devil trying to tell you something you know and why do we listen to the devil no no you don't and if, if there's something constructive that the Lord wants us to know he has a way of doing it without having you read that garbage and get that stuff in your mind and heart how would you like to get a letter like that and have to get up and speak for three weeks straight you know it's not smart but anyway back to your kids so I can get another letter that Dave can read he'll call you too hey we deal with these things he called that person and they back. I mean, they backpedaled in a hurry. I'm telling you, I didn't mean that, you know. But, you know, anyway, back to my subject here. Kids. Kids will do what they see you do, not what you tell them to do. And um, if they see you put God first in your life, no matter what else is going on in your life, if they see you get your Bible out and read, they're going to do that. They may not want to do it, but they're going to do it. And if they see that you put their activities and their stuff above the things of going to church or above the things of serving God, you can preach to them all you want to about serving God and they're never going to be the kind of person that they're supposed to be because they're only going to hear your words and not see your example. It's exactly the same way you can pretend to yourself and say that it's not, but it's exactly the same way if Keith and I were to get up here And we were to have been in the bar last night, drinking, partying, smoking, running around, having affairs, uh, spending the day doing things that we shouldn't be doing. But we get up here the next morning and we tell you, the Bible says you shouldn't do those things. The Bible says you should put God first. It's exactly the same way. It doesn't do for me to get up here and live a horrible life and do things that are not right in accordance with the word and to tell you to do the opposite. What are you going to do? Everything produces after its own kind. That's a spiritual law. Everything produces. If you plant corn, you're going to get corn. You plant love, you're going to get love. You plant putting TV first, your kids are going to put TV first. You plant activities and sports and and everything else going on in their life first above church, what are they going to do? The same thing. Then, um, and I know I'm on a touchy area here, then you might wonder why, why did they get hurt doing that? You know, it's nothing wrong with doing sports. It's nothing wrong with have the kids having... I think it's the most wonderful thing for them to be involved in sports and all the activities. Better than sitting at home playing Nintendo 24-7. Amen. 
But the fact of the matter is, it's the example that you set before them. If any little thing hinders you from getting up and going to church on Sunday morning and you look for excuses, that's the same way their life is going to be when they leave your house. It's going to be that way. It doesn't matter what you tell them. It's going to be the way that you set the example for them all your life. Now, you can beg God and cry and and ask Him to change it in their lives, and He'll have mercy and, and work with them as best He can. But it said train up a child in the way He should go, and when He's old, He won't depart from it. How do you train things? By example. Doing things for them. So uh, back off that subject and uh, back onto my notes. How about that? Dave's got kids. Other people, how many in here has got kids? Yeah. How many of you disagree that if you, they see you smoking and you tell them not to smoke, what are they going to do? They're probably going to smoke. Just because you tell them not to do it, it's like, especially when they get, they get to their teenage years, you know, it's like they're going to see how far they can do it. So uh, anyway, people put their kids before God. Does that go over better now than it did before? Not a whole lot. Um, Anyway, ask God about it. Don't take my word for it. Ask God about it. And um, he'll, he'll talk to you about it if you'll let him. And then people put their jobs before God. They're constantly, the most important thing is trying to climb that corporate ladder, stabbing people in the back, whatever it takes to get up the corporate ladder. You know, all the things that they have to do. But look at what that verse said. Verse 30. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you know what a yoke is? Got a lot of farmers in here, right? You know, we're not just in some big city or something like that. Everybody knows what a yoke is. You know, you could probably go. I've never seen one, but I'm sure they're out there that you could go to a, um, a animal feed supply store and buy a, a already built, ready made yoke for a cow. You know what I'm talking about? A cow's yoke that uh, they go through the fence and they get out and the neighbors are always calling your cows in the middle of the street, you know. And um, I grew up a little bit on a farm. hated it, but I did. <laughs> Um, I'm a city girl. And um, so anyway, but cows will go through fences. They'll do. And the grass is always greener on the other side, you know. It doesn't matter how sown in green grass your pasture is. They want to be in this pasture that is just weeds over there, right? So you have to get a yoke and put it on them to keep them from getting out of the fences and going into other pastures. Well, a yoke, you know, uh, the yokes that I've seen are like, a tree branch that somebody's taken and it's got like a V or a Y to it, you know, and, it, and they kind of put it over the cow's head like this and, and then they tie it down here at the bottom. How many of you have seen those or used those before? Yeah, a couple of you have, you know. And uh, I'm sure you can go to a, a supply store and buy a, a real one, can't you? You know, instead of a tree branch, but, you know, I, I hadn't seen one. But anyway, the yoke is to make the cow do what you want it to do. Is that correct? Because it won't do it on its own, so you have to make it do what you want it to do. Well, I looked up yoke in the Vines Dictionary yesterday, and I was a little bit surprised at what it said. Because I never would have associated this with this. It says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We know, you know, his burden is light. We know what that means, a burden heavy on your shoulders. But what does yoke mean in relationship to us? Anybody know? Anybody just ever studied it out? 
I was pretty surprised. Yeah, there's a couple of people that have. It said in Vines, which surprised me, the yoke was your submission to his authority. Your submission to his authority is what that yoke there means. So it means for your submission to my authority is easy. Therefore, your burden's light. But what happens is people refuse to submit to his authority and their burden is heavy. I know, and I'm, go, I'm going to step right out into it, and it is, again, it's not where I thought I was going, but, you know, I know when I married Keith, most people don't know this, a few I've said it, I think, at our marriage thing last year, um, I got filled with the Holy Ghost before Keith did, which was a, a joke. It's still a joke around our house, you know, because um, he's seat sought and sought and tarried and everything else, you know, and I just got filled, you know. <laughs> Play with it if you want to, no. Um, but anyway, I thought for sure we were going to a, um, a church that I thought for sure the thing to me was going to be uh, quit wearing makeup, quit wearing jewelry, quit wearing this. That wasn't what the Lord told me when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I got baptized. It was to submit to my husband. That's the kids' classes downstairs, I think. Or is it a speaker? Y'all are all, everybody looked up there at that side. They'll figure out what it is. It's the devil. (laughs) He wanted to distract y'all when I said submit. (laughs) Yeah. Now, the Lord told me to submit to my husband. Y'all jurors. I didn't tell him for months. <laughs> What's the point? You know? You know, we knew nothing about submission. You know, I was raised in a denomination that, you know, didn't teach submission. He was raised in a denomination that didn't teach submission. We didn't know anything. I didn't even know what the word meant. But I rebelled against it anyway. It didn't sound good to me. <laughs> Submit to him, you know? Ouch. You know, do what he wants you to do. Well, who are you going to be if you do what he wants you to do? I've got to find myself first, you know. Wrong. Got to find who you are in God. But submit to him. Submit to your husband. And I thought, submit. I ran from it with both feet. I rebelled against it with every fiber of my being. I balked, I gained weight, I worked, I refused to go to church. I, I mean, he's growing and growing leaps and bounds and leaps and bounds and studying to teach five classes and teaching prayer school and teaching healing school and traveling with dad. And I'm refusing to read my Bible because I'm going to rebel and not submit. And you know what? I was so absolutely, stinkingly bad, horribly miserable, depressed, sad, unhappy as any human being could be doing what I wanted to do. (laughs) I was doing exactly what I wanted to do and was miserable as I could be. 
I was making money hand over fist. I was making money enough. I went out and bought Keith for his birthday one year, a brand new Corvette, and paid for it. I was making money. And I was miserable as I could be. Because I was refusing to submit to his authority. Refusing to. Thought I had a better idea for myself. Thought if I submitted to him, I would have to give up all the things that I liked and I wanted to do and I wanted to be and how my life was going to be and who was I going to be if I was a mirror image of Keith. Nobody else has ever done that kind of stuff. And it's a funny thing because the, ty- the subject this morning is submitting to God. So it's not like you can just look at the wife and say, yeah, you better submit, sissy. That yoke means submitting to who? To the Lord. There's people that are doing exactly what I did with Keith and made myself so miserable for so many years because they're refusing to submit to God. I know over the last few weeks, Keith has taught on the Spirit-led life. And all night long last night, I said, God, I don't want to do this today. Because he's been teaching on the spirit-led life for weeks and weeks and weeks. And and you guys have already got it. I know. You got it. God said they ain't doing it. They got it. But I've dealt with a bunch of them already to do some things. And they didn't do it. You know what I'm talking about? I've been there. God will deal with you. Give that person $50. And you think... Check your heart five times on it. And then uh, they leave or you leave and you can't find them as quickly as you want to. And, and uh, you let it pass. Or, and you have to repent. Then you have to hunt them down three weeks later and give it to them. You still have to give it to them. But they needed it then. You know? God's dealt with people to do some things in here. I know. During the Spirit-led life, I know God well enough to know He doesn't say things about following him and not tell you something to do. How many of you cleaned out your closets? There you go. How many of you wished you would have cleaned out your closets now this morning? (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? People think that when the Lord deals with people, say us. We don't, Keith and I, whether you know it or not, we don't get to get up here and share on our pet peeves. We don't get to get up here and tell what we like or if we like you or we don't like you. Or or we know a lot of things that's going on in people's life in the church. That's one thing I don't like as far as pastoring. And let me tell you, explain myself on that. In traveling, if the Lord would give me something by the Spirit, I didn't ever have to hesitate about giving it out because the people would know, well, they don't know us. And you could give it out instantly and it would minister to somebody and they would get their answer. I have been too hesitant here because I know the situation. We had to deal with it, you know. I know that this person doesn't have any money or this person doesn't have a job or this person's having trouble in their marriage or this person's having trouble with their kids. And so I get hesitant and back up from doing some things sometime because you you know some things and you'll be reluctant because the people will say, well, they already knew that. So you won't do those things. But we can't be that way. 
God wants us all to grow up. I mean, He wants us to grow up in Him. He wants our lives to be so easy and enjoyable. I mean, I know the curse is here. And I know the devil's here. But you can still have a wonderful life here on this earth. Be blessed and be prosperous and be happy in your marriage and be happy with your kids and enjoy your life here. But you can't do it when you do what I did. You can't do it when you, you rebel and you have to do things your own way. It's like God's dealing with you to do something, okay? And um, he's dealt with you and 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 he's dealt with you. And then we teach on the spirit-led life and then we teach on how to reach your physical goals. And those were two, to me, in sync things that God dealt with us to do at exactly the same time. I mean, just supernatural the way that the Lord dealt with some of those things. And I know some people have, it's meant about as much to them as it meant to me when the Lord told me to submit to Keith. It's like, I hear it, but I ain't doing it. Look at some scriptures with me. Turn to Jeremiah. Don't take my word for it. Let's stay with the Bible. How about that? Because Keith will not like it if we get not scriptures for it. He's my scriptorian. When I first started teaching, I'd teach and I'd say, now Keith, where is that? My walking concordance. Jeremiah 6.16. Y'all be happy in here this morning. This is good. Whether you realize it or not, this is, could be the answer to some of the situations. How many of you were here the other Friday night when we had our church people come down here because they were ready to quit? How many of you? I mean, there was people that lined up the front two or three different times. Well, that wasn't somebody else's church. That wasn't a guest meeting going on that a lot of people were here for. That was our church people that were saying, we're ready to throw in the towel. We're ready to quit. Well, why? Because they're like I was. I was ready to quit. I was ready to throw in the towel. So the Lord said, tell them about it. Why that happens. Okay, so here we are. Jeremiah 6.16. Y'all found it before me because I was talking. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. Now, you don't want to read the next verse. It says, but, there's that word, but... They said, we'll not walk therein. Read the next verse. Also, I set watchmen over you saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. Listen to the living Bible on that. The Lord pleads with you still. You ask where the good road is. The godly paths you used to walk in in the days of long ago, travel there and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. I set watchmen over you and I warned you. Listen for the sound of the trumpet. And when you know, uh, and it will let you know when trouble comes. But you said, no, we will pay it no attention. 
I mean, the living Bible. Does anybody have a living Bible in here? Several. Is that what it says? It says, um, you want the easy life, but when God says do this, you reply, no, that's not the road we want. I mean, I read my own mail yesterday, and I saw things in all those years that I was doing that that I had never seen before. All the time that I was rebelling and refusing to submit to my husband, I didn't realize that that's what the Lord told me to do. And how can the Lord make your life easy when you're refusing to do what he told you to do? He may not have told you that. I'm talking about me. I was rebellious. You don't have to raise your hand. I won't ask you to. But I guarantee you there's things in your life if you are still not having it easy that he has told you to do that you hadn't done. Because he said this. I didn't. His yoke is easy. But what the funniest thing to me was is when I finally did, finally, 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 after years and years and years of doing my own thing and being miserable, I finally decided to submit to my husband. And it was the funniest thing. It was the easiest thing I'd ever done in my life. It was the greatest thing I'd ever done for myself in my life. Because what I didn't realize was I had, and I know I'm prejudiced, one of the best husbands in the whole wide world. All he wanted for me was good. All he wanted for me was to see me be everything that I could be. These were some of the things that I was... I wasn't just rebelling against Keith, you understand. I was rebelling against being hooked in with God and the ministry. You have to understand, Keith was in the ministry. I was doing a secular job. So I wasn't just rebelling against Keith. I was rebelling against the ministry. And doing what God wanted me to do in the ministry. Because even the other day, we still argue about this. And we do. And it's, I'll tell you, it's honest. We're driving the other day and, and he said, you know, well, some people are just anointed to teach and preach and some people are just not, Phil. That's just the way it is. And I said, you know, I think, I, you know, some people have a call on their life to preach and teach and some people don't. I said, I think I have a call on my life to organize things. He said, no, you have a call on your life to preach. I said, no, I have a call on my life to organize. No, you have a call. I mean, and we're going back and forth over this thing, you see. And um, so, you know, even still now, there's a part of me that, you know, rubs me in that way sometimes. Because in order to accomplish what God wants me to do, sometimes I have to do things that my flesh doesn't want to do. But as it turns out, when I decided to take that step and submit to Keith and do the things that I knew that God wanted me to do to support my husband, I have been the happiest girl that old, what was that girl that Donna Fargo, didn't she used to sing that song about a hundred years ago? I'm the happiest girl in the whole USA. Do y'all remember that song? I was probably 10 years old when that song was popular, you know? I still remember it. Because I still think about it. The happiest girl in the whole USA. I am never sad. And I was so depressed for so many years that I didn't want to leave my house most of the time. 
But I'm never sad anymore. I never, you never see me sit down and cry somewhere. You never see me upset. You never see me just depressed. You, ne- you just don't see it because it ain't there. But I tell you what. The devil painted me this picture. I mean, he took time with it too. And he got the best colors and he got the best of everything and the best shots that he could get and painted me this picture about how horrible my life would be if I submitted to Keith and I submitted to God. He took time with that picture and he put it before me every day. He had it in a place I saw it every day. And he had planned out my life and my path that if I stayed on that path, I I probably wouldn't be married today because there was no way, as much as Keith loves me, as much as he would do anything in the world for me, he was not giving up the ministry for me. And that's what I was trying to do, was to make him choose between the ministry and me. Choose. Okay, come on now, choose. You know, I'm making big money. We can do this and we can do that and we can just get bigger and better and, and, you know, get nicer houses and do these things and go the world's way. But what I didn't know was that was the devil's path for my life. And he had tried his best to get me on that path. And he had, he had given me, I mean, as far as natural things are concerned, I had a job that I chose my own hours. I showed up when I wanted to. I went home when I wanted to. If Keith had a meeting out of town, I hopped in the plane and went with him. I, I ran the office. I told everybody what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And had a boss that really respected me and, and let me do it. And I was sick and miserable all the time. Doing what I wanted to do. It wasn't until... I finally decided, no, the world does have a way for me. But God has a way for me too. And all the things that we had, we weren't enjoying. Because our marriage was the pits because I was so mean. You can laugh, it was true. I was dog mean to Keith. Because he here, here he is trying to get five sermons prepared to teach the next day on classes that he'd never taught gospel of john giving and receiving submission and authority holy spirit praise life you know trying to teach all these classes he'd never taught before and i'm chewing on him why ain't he spending time with me y'all have never done it so y'all be real quiet nobody will know that y'all have done those kind of things God has your mate doing something, you know, and you're chewing on them because they're not spending time with you. Well, you know, um, God has a better plan than that. And this yoke being easy and this burden being light comes when you submit to His authority for your life. Not when you submit to what you want to do and how you want to do it, I mean, like I said earlier, there are graces to do secular jobs. And I believe that there are people in this congregation that God is going to supernaturally anoint in their businesses to prosper and do their jobs. But it shouldn't be a burden to you. I mean, we work, we, the last few weeks, we have been working around here silly trying to get ready for this meeting. Sometimes going night and day with things, dealing with stuff. But it doesn't bring you down. 
It encourages you and lifts you up that you know the reward that you're going to get because of it. It encourages you to know that you're doing the things that God wanted you to do. What did these people say? They said, yet the Lord, you know the story of Jeremiah. Everybody knows the story of Jeremiah. You know, he's a prophet that God sent to these people to tell them, straighten up or bad things are coming. Woe unto you. And this is what's going on during this situation. The Living Bible says, the Lord pleads with you still. Ask you where the good road is. The godly paths you used to walk in, in the days probably when you first got saved, that you made all these commitments, you were going to do all this stuff for God. Travel there. And you will find what? Rest for your soul. You know, all these commercials that are going on today, I just sit back every time I see them and laugh about all this anxiety and all this adult ADD, you know, and all this stuff that's going on. Kids, too. Say what you want to. But kids have no rest in their souls because their families don't have any rest in their souls. The kids are only a product of what's being produced in their home. And if you want rest in your kid's soul, you got to have it in your soul. You can try to pretend like your kids ain't going to know you're fighting, but they know. Rest in your soul. What is better than that? There's not enough money in the whole wide world to give you rest and peace in your soul. Only God can do that. You saw all those people line up up here. They're ready to quit and throw in the towel. Why is that? There's no rest in their soul. I didn't have rest in my soul. I had it figured out how my life was going to be. First off, I was going to be a nurse. I didn't do that. I got married two days after high school. But God had a plan. And that was his plan. But I rebelled against that plan too. And there's people in here today... That you're looking at me and saying, man, that was bad, Phyllis. Why were you so stinking rebellious and mean? Better look at yourself. Because there's things in people's lives that they do not have rest. You can come home from work and rest in your soul. Not if you're fighting. Not if your kids are on drugs. Not if you can't pay your rent. Money and blessings come from submitting to his authority. They don't just fall on you and you doing the things that you want to do. They come to you because you do these things. It said, no, that's not the road that they want. He sent watchmen over them and warned them. I think that's kind of the things that's happening this morning. I'd rather not do this. I, you know, y'all know me well enough. No, I'd rather get up here and say, let's shout and dance around the room. But that, if you've got a good parent and they see you getting off course, what are they going to do? They're going to try to help you, get you back on course so that you can have rest and you can have peace and you can have the good things in life. I know being over people for as many years as I can remember, it is so much easier to see someone do something wrong and let it go and not deal with it. It's easier than having to call them in and sit them down and say, why did you do that? You knew better than that. Face up, deal with it. It's lots easier just to let it go. 
But I believe God has a supernatural call on this church. I don't think that God pulled Keith... And I know I'm proud, and if, and if you don't like the way I say things and do things, I'm sorry, there are other churches in town. So um, anyways, and, and send the letters to Dave, attention Dave. Um, I don't think God pulled Keith off the road to stay in one place that he's ministering around the world to big congregations, 10 15,000 a lot of times to be here consistently almost every Sunday that we're not supposed to accomplish something major for God. There's more to it than what we see. Just like what Dave was saying about that 15 that we sowed, we don't have a clue what God wants to do with that. He's already telling me about these people that heard about it and they want to come to the church here. Why would that church do that for those people? Well, that's not why we did it. We did it because I walked past the TV and the Lord said, do it. You know, so that's the only reason you do things. And if you come and say, I need money, well, did the Lord say, do it? That's the only difference, you know. You want to know why you did it for them and not for me? Well, did the Lord say, do it? It's real simple, you know. So I don't believe that the Lord would call him to come in and be here and put so much into this church and into your lives and into you. I mean, you know, and even in the time that he spent at Rhema teaching, 30,000 people around the world pastoring churches around the world with congregations of thousands. The Lord has graced him to be able to input into their lives. We got a letter yesterday from somebody that was over in Singapore telling what Keith's ministry meant over there to those people. I mean, just the most wonderful letter. But my whole point of saying this is you people must be very, very important to God. You must be the apple of his eye. You must be highly favored. Because he would not have sent us here to do this. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm tooting your horn. Because God sent us here to put things into you. And you can see it just as well as I can spell my name. How people are growing in here. But there's things like me submitting to Keith. There's things in people's lives. That would turn their whole life around. If they just do that one thing. The one thing they've been rebelling against God from doing for a very, very long time. My life changed so dramatically for the better. I mean, I can lay in bed at night now and I don't have no turmoil going on in my soul. Yeah, I deal with stuff. You'd be shocked at how much stuff I deal with in a day's time. Just totally shocked. Problem here, problem there. Deal with this. Make a decision on that. But when I go to bed at night, there's peace. And there's rest. Because I just turn it all over to Him. But I couldn't do that if I was going my own way. Because I wouldn't have the confidence He was hearing from me. We are not here at Faith Life Church. Say it with me. We are not as these people. We will hear his voice. And we will hearken to his voice. We'll do what he asks us to do. That's the difference in your lives as to whether you are accomplishing everything that you want to in your life or you're staying at a standstill. That right there is the difference. Let me read some other scriptures to you. Y'all got time? I think this will help you. 
Psalm 37, 23. Now you'll see why I wanted Dave to sing that song. Oh, I love it. Psalm 37:23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Listen to the next part. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord will uphold him with his hand. I've been young, and now I'm old, and I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. That says it, but listen to this next one in the Living Bible. Jill, put it up there for me. The steps of good men are directed, directed, directed by God, by the Lord. He delights in each step they take. If they fall, it isn't fatal. For the Lord holds them with his hand. Listen to verse 25. I've been young and now I'm old. And in all my years I have never seen the Lord forsake a man who loves him. Nor have I seen the children of godly go hungry. Instead, say instead with me. The godly, read that with me. The godly, look up at the board. The godly are able to be generous with their gifts, loan to others, and their children are a blessing. Glory to God. Do you believe that? Is that Bible? The steps of a good man are ordered by God. If you do happen to fall, it's not going to be fatal. It'll be some minor something, but he'll lift you back up. You'll never go hungry. He'll never forsake you. Your kids that have been rebellious will be what? A blessing. But how is that possible? By submitting to Him. You can't say that you're a good man or a godly man in God's sight and do what you want to do. Doesn't work that way. You can't get the benefits and not do the job. It's like, I'm not going to just give you health insurance if you don't work for me. You got it? I'm not going to give you a paycheck, prosper you, when you don't work for me as an employee. Why would I do that? I mean, I know there's another side of the coin. The Lord can deal with you to give anybody anything. But you, you understand the principle I'm getting to here. The principle. I mean, he says he's, he's been young and he's been old. And in all his years, this David never seen the Lord forsake a man who loves him. How do you know you love the Lord? You do what he wants you to do. How did Keith know that I loved him? I could say I loved him all day long. And thought I did. But if I truly loved him, I would do what he wanted me to do. And he didn't have any big grand, grandiose ideas about getting a thumbtack and pressing me down and keeping me quiet. He's just the opposite of what I would have thought in that time. And that you get up there and do that. You get up there and do that. 
I mean, just the opposite of what I thought. The devil paints you this picture of exactly what God wants you to be and what he wants you to do for him and convinces you of this when you've never asked God what he wanted you to do and be. And it's totally different than what the devil's painted for you. My husband's been great. I, I went in my jewelry box the other day, I have to tell you. I walked in my jewelry box the other day. And, you know, he'd given me my pearl bracelet necklace. I got it on this morning for my birthday or Christmas or something. I can't remember. And uh, he hadn't gotten me the earrings. And I guess he noticed it the other day. And so yesterday or day before, I went in there and looked. No birthday, no anniversary, no anything. Just had him sitting there. And I pulled off my jewelry and I ran in there and said, Where did these come from? I don't know. What is it? Um, But you know, that's totally different than my life was back then. I mean, I'd have to cry to get a birthday present. I'm serious. Who would want to give you a birthday present when all you did was nag them and be mean to them? I mean, I I relate so much of this to the way that I I did with Keith. I mean, why would God want to bless you when all you do is complain that your life ain't good? About how miserable you are and how sad you are and how depressed you are. When all the while he's got blessings waiting for you. Good things waiting for you. An easy life waiting for you. But you chose the other one. You chose the hard one. Chose the one that he didn't want to do. I I just like this verse. I'll read it again before the service is over. You watch. Uh, Psalm 119. The first part of that is what I want you to get. Psalm 119, 133. I got it easy. I I took the time to put them all on my paper and I don't have to turn to them all. Psalm 119, 133. Order my steps in thy word. And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. So how's the Lord going to order your steps? By his word. If there's things that come out in a service sometime. And uh, the Lord quickens your heart. What should you do? It'd be why if he's a wise person you'd do it. Then turn to Proverbs 4. Verse 12. Proverbs 4.12 When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Life. She's thy life. Instruction. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not except they've done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But... But the path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. It gets better and better and gooder and gooder and easier and easier. 
and no stumbling. The way of the wicked is darkness. They know not why they stumble. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are what? And they are what? Life and health. So have you been suffering, not having life, easy, joy? And you've been suffering, not having health? You might want to check up. This is checkup day. You ever go once a year for a physical? And they say, change this, don't eat that anymore. Your cholesterol's high. This is high. Don't do this anymore. And the doctor tells you to do it, and guess what? You'll do it. Because he said, do it. You'll do it. Well, this is physical day, okay? Amen. Check up. Proverbs 16, 9. What's the first part of that verse say? Man's heart. A man's heart sets out his way or devises his way. Or a man's heart does what he wants to do. But the Lord, he will direct your steps. And don't you want the Lord directing your steps? I mean, it's, it's not a better thing. I, I, I couldn't give all the money that I'd ever made all put together, plus what I'll make in the future, for the peace and rest that I have in my heart for going ahead and doing what I knew I was supposed to do, that God told me to do. And, and I could talk about you if, if I wanted to, but I, I don't think I know as much about you as I know about me. And I know God told me the day I got filled with the Holy Ghost to submit to my husband. And it took me years. You're smarter than me, though, right? Years. Years. And years and years, and Keith kept on believing God. Thank God he was a man of faith and didn't quit. He just kept on trucking, doing what God asked him to do. Years. But when I finally did what I was supposed to do, life got good. Not only did we have things, but we could enjoy them. It's one thing to have something. It's another thing to enjoy what you have. I remember one time when we first got in the ministry and um, we went on a trip to uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. Was that what the first meeting? Y'all, any of y'all remember that? Terre Haute, Indiana. And um, Keith had taught all week long so, and he taught all weekend long and we were driving back to get ready to start our jobs on Monday morning and it was Sunday night during the night. We'd had a Sunday night service and everything. And um, he's told this, I think, before, but uh, we had um, to go through... I don't remember, maybe St. Louis to get home. And they had the main Interstate 44, I think, blocked off and detours. So I kept going across the bridge. You know, there in St. Louis, you know what I'm talking about? And the main road to 44, and so I kept going across the bridge. And, I, and they didn't have signs to tell you where to go to get back on the road. It was just, you can't turn here. You know, I don't know if they hadn't put them all up yet or what. So I'd go across the bridge in 5 o'clock traffic, bumper to bumper. I'd go across the bridge. Keith was asleep in the back. And I'd turn around, I'd come back, get back, turned around, come back. And I'd think, well, I've missed the detour sign. Maybe it was before the road, you know. So I went back further to try to catch my detour sign. 
missed it again, wound up on that bridge again. I bet I did this four times. And so the last time I said, I'm not going that way, and I went another way. And I wound up in a bad part of town. I'm telling you, it was bad. It was so bad, I mean, they had bars on the store windows, and I mean, it was just bad. It was really a bad part of town. And I, Keith woke up, he was in the back seat, and he woke up, and I was just crying and crying. And he said, Bill, what's wrong? Because usually I am very good at directions. I mean, like, I rarely get lost. And, uh, um, but I was lost that day. I was lost beyond measure. I was lost. I mean, I was crying, and I didn't know what to do. But you know what? I didn't stay lost. As quick as I could, I got out of there. As quick as I saw another way to go, I went that way. I didn't just sit there in that bad spot. I had enough sense to know this ain't where I want to be. And I got the car turned around. And I went another direction. Some people's lives in here this morning, and you guys go ahead and you can come up, is in that, is in that way. You've been going through the bad part of town. And things are quickly not getting any better. You know how I know? Because we deal with some of them. Don't have the money to pay their bills. For years, depressed, suicidal, the only reason a person would want to stay in that place is to get self-pity. And that won't get you anywhere with God. And it's way, way better. I tried that one too. You remember I cried, I told you. I tried that too doesn't do any good. You're not happy. They're not happy. Nobody's happy. Get out of the bad part of town. Get yourself up. Wipe the tears off your eyes. Quit crying. Quit feeling sorry for yourself like I was doing. And get out of town. Don't stay in the spot that you are. If things are not getting better and they're not getting brighter, you're not going the right direction. If things are not getting easier, do like I did. And finally, submit to the authority and the will of God in your life. And I'm not telling you, don't get me wrong and don't try to make me say something that I'm not saying here. I'm not saying you should do anything extra here at the church. Not, that does not even have a play into it. My heart is that every person in here could be as happy and blessed as I am in here today. That's my heart. And you can ask Dave or staff. We do our best to help people sometimes. But sometimes it's not what you know and it's not what they need. It's what they'll receive. And most people are in no position to receive what you have to say to them. Haven't you found that? They're in no position to receive what you have to say to them. Because they're like I was with Keith. Made up my mind I was not submitting. And it could be a little thing in your life. I don't know. 
It could be that God's dealt with you to give somebody $50. It could be that God's dealt with you to be in the ministry. It could be a big thing. It could be that God, some men, has dealt with you to love your wife a little better. It could be some women, God's dealing with you the same thing he's dealing with me about, submitting to my husband. But it all boils down to submitting to God. And that was the one thing that Keith finally got across to me. He said, Phil, if you do what God wants you to do, you and I are never going to have any trouble. And you know that's true? Never. You'll never have any trouble if you do what God wants you to do. But the devil's always got another path. Stand up in here with me this morning. And I want to close a little different than what we usually do. And we've, I don't know that we've ever done this here before at the church, but I know it's what God dealt with me to do. And uh, if you're uncomfortable with it, um, just uh, pray for me or send Dave a letter. Um, but no, what I want to do here this morning, and it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't three-fourths of the crowd. Really, really wouldn't. Because even I have um, been in positions every day of your life, every moment of every day of your life, you have to choose whether you're going to do what God wants you to do or whether you're going to do what you want to do. Every day, every moment of every day, you're making choices. And what I would like to see this morning is I know um, that probably 99.99% of everybody in here is saved this morning. And if you're not, then this will work for you also. I want every person that has been going through those things and you feel like that God still has something that you don't quite see yet. Yeah, Miss Moore, I want to do what God wants me to do. Yeah, Miss Phyllis, I want to be where God wants me to be, but I don't see it yet. The first step is getting willing to see it. And what I want us to do this morning, and like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if it's three-fourths of the crowd, and I know it's different. I want you to come down here to the front, and I want us to make an altar here at the front of the church for just a few minutes. Everybody, every person in this place has got, should be ready and willing to come and say, Lord, show me more of what you want me to do. I could have missed it in this area, or I could have not have missed it in this area. Move from your seats now and come down to the front. Don't You don't have to hesitate. Just come on down. Yeah, everybody in this place that, you know, you, you can know God better. Let's not stand. Let's just make an altar. Kneel to the Lord like we do on Wednesday night sometime. Just get down here around the front, around the flowers. We're just going to pray for just a minute and rededicate ourselves and our hearts to the Lord. If you mean business with God and you've not done it recently... And you mean, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do what you would have me to do. And I'm going to get out of that bad part of town. And I'm never going to go back there again. I believe there's answers here this morning. I may not have them for you, but I know the one who does. And it doesn't take but one word from him to change your life forever. Y'all just scrunch around and get up here as close as you can. I'm going to get down here. I'd like more direction from him. I'd like to serve him more fully and be more ready and willing maybe to get up and preach than I am sometime. It's a commitment to God. It's not a commitment to me. It's an answer to the questions you've been seeking him for. And I know it's taken some time. 
But there's nothing more valuable in your life than doing what God's asked you to do. And you may feel you're doing everything that God wants you to do. And that's great and that's wonderful. I think it's, I'm, I think it's wonderful. But there's answers here this morning. And more than just answers, there's healing in here this morning. Healing of marriages. Healing of hearts and souls. You don't have to wait on me. Just pour your heart out to the Lord. Tell Him what you commit to Him to do. Make a commitment to Him as to what you're committing to Him. Pray in tongues if you need to. Lord, I just lift up this service to you this morning. And I know it's different. And I know it's unusual, Lord. But I just ask you for every person that's humbled themselves and come down this morning to seek you, Lord, as to what they're to do. I just ask you to touch them now where they are. Show them the job they're supposed to be in, Lord. Show them the house they're to live in, Lord. Show them the city they're to live in, Lord. Show them their things in their marriage that's been a problem for them, Lord. Answer their questions. Give them solutions to their problems. Heal their bodies, their hearts, their minds, their souls. Make a difference. Make a turn in their lives. Make a change as of this moment. Open your mouths down here. Don't be silent. You're the one talking to the Lord, not just me you talk to him for yourself i mean old time churches this is the way they all got their problems and answers solved they go to the altar and talk to the lord about it you don't have to talk to man about it god is the one with the answer if we have an answer it's just because he gave it to us thank you lord thank you lord for doing these things for us everybody in the crowd just pray in the spirit a little bit Commit yourselves, even if you're not down here, to serving Him as fully as He desires for you to serve Him. And do the things that He's asked you to do. Don't be rebellious like me, but commit to Him to do what He wants you to do. Repent if you need to repent. 1 John 1, 9 says, confess your faults. He'll forgive you and He'll set you on a course. So Lord, we do that this morning. I repent, Lord, for not being as willing as I need to be sometime to speak and do the things publicly that you want me to do, Lord. I repent if I've been slow in that area, Lord. And I just ask you to grace each and every person in here, in every area that they're asking you about this morning. Father, give them answers. Give them solutions. Thank you, Lord. 